when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast. This is Colby Patnode. I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how are you doing today? I am. Uh, I'm doing really well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for asking. It's the uh, it's the last week of uh, of the Mariner season, man. Uh, how are you feeling, man? Like we're coming down to this long winding road of the season. We're getting ready to talk about off season stuff. It's uh, it's actually kind of an exciting time, the end of the season, but also sad because the Mariners are actually playing fairly well. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm excited uh, for the off season. I always am. I love roster. I love roster building and team building. Uh, it's you know. It's essential. I've I've often said, you know, you could tell me I could be a major league shortstop for five seasons or a major league GM for five seasons. I'd probably pick the GM. Uh, I just I love roster building and team construction and things like that. So I am always happy for the off season, but also sad because you know it's my nightly pleasure of you know I just oh just turn on the game and whatever. If it's if I if I want a night off, I can take it. But you know it's nice to have that in your back pocket and be like, well, just I could just watch the Mariners game, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gone for, I mean, what, five months, six months, whatever yeah. it is, uh, you yeah. know, it's just, it's gone until spring training. And, uh, that's always, it's, it's bittersweet because as much as I love the team building, uh, and things like that, I, you know, ultimately I, I love baseball. So it's, it's sad that it'll be over, uh, for the Mariners. I mean, obviously we'll have the playoffs. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I don't watch the playoffs. I don't watch every playoff game. Uh, yeah. even when it's on and I have nothing to do, I'm like, eh, maybe not. I just, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Um, so I'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be, uh, as always, it's just kind of a mixed emotion type of thing. Uh, thankfully, you know, I, I do root for the Seahawks, which, uh, does help kind of fill in the gap there a little bit. Um, but you know, I just, just, hey, just soon we'll, we'll have the NHL. And we'll have the yep. NHL to help out with that. Yep. And uh, I don't know. No, maybe I'll even get into the NBA a little bit. Tell me who my favorite NBA team should be, guys. And no, it's not going to be the Thunder. And no, it's not going to be the Warriors. Um, Pick some Raptors. <laughs> no. We got Canada we got sucks. we got Spicy P though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like after after losing Kawhi. Yeah. <laughs> the Raptors aren't as fun anymore. To That's watch. to say they're not fun at all. Um, so <laughs> yeah, let me know. Maybe it'll just be the drive down, the drive down I five to uh, to Portland. Uh, it is a Portland Trailblazers game in October of last year against the San Antonio Spurs. Um, the Blazers won. Uh, so. No, no, maybe. Probably not, though. I'll probably just stick with the Huskies. Um, you know, the Huskies and the Cougs and the uh, and the Seahawks. 
uh, and then hopefully, uh, is it this time next year or the year after? Year after, right? Uh, we'll have yeah. the NHL uh, that I will try to learn, uh, try and learn a little bit about hockey. So, uh, but yeah, you know, the end of the season is always kind of a bittersweet time. Um, but, uh, you know, the end of the season also gives us a good time to reflect and that's kind of what we're going to do today. We're going to hand out some awards, uh, for the 2019 Mariners. You guys may have noticed on the website, we've been handing out grades to uh, 2019 Mariners. Um, we dropped the second base grades this morning. That would be D Gordon and shed long, uh, spoiler alert. D Gordon did not grade out that well and shed long did. So, um, so we'll continue to do that. Uh, next up, we'll probably head over to third base, which is really just a Kyle Seeger grade thing. Um, I guess maybe I'll throw in Ryan Healy too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll just continue to work our way around that. But while we do, uh, we still have a podcast to record. And since, you know, there's really not much to discuss in terms of the current Mariners roster, um, we thought we'd, uh, we'd take a look back over the entire season and just hand out some awards. So, Ty, why don't you give us the rundown of the awards we'll be handing out today, and then we'll get started. So we will be handing out uh, an MVP award, of course. That's going to be the big uh, award at the top uh, to the best player on the Mariners this year. We will also have the most disappointing player of the year, Uh, just someone that either we had high hopes for and just let us down or someone that was just straight garbage throughout the season and just never really got it going. Uh, obviously, we got the Cy Young, so the best pitcher um, on the team. Uh, rookie of the year, which should be interesting. A lot of guys made their uh, debuts this year for the Mariners. Uh, surprise player of the year. Uh, so just someone that kind of just came out of nowhere. There's uh, definitely a couple names that, that are up for that. And, uh, you know, a guy that just really, uh, like I said, just came out of nowhere and, and did well this year. Uh, also, the unsung hero, so not really uh, the MVP of the team, but a guy that was just steady and um, really you know, made strong com- uh, contributions to the team this year. Uh, then we have uh, reliever of the year, self-explanatory. Uh, play of the year, also uh, self-explanatory. Uh, the platinum glove, which goes to the best defender on the team, and the lead glove, which goes to the worst defender on the team. We also have minor league hitter and minor league pitcher of the year. Uh, obviously, self-explanatory, best trade, and the biggest blunder. So, and there's a lot to choose from there as well. Right. So yeah, um, uh, like all awards, uh, there's really not a set criteria for how we determine this. Um, you know, the awards are subjective. You can give them to whoever you like. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much of a difference of opinion we have, or if we have one, uh, at all. So Ty, let's go ahead. Why don't, uh, you know, which one are we doing first here? We I wanna... think we should work from the bottom up on our list. So that would be biggest blunder. Okay. Um, so, so starting you... out on a uh, low note, <laughs> All right. That's usually always a, you know, that's, that's the great way to do it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ty, what do you think the biggest blunder of the year is? Ooh, there's a lot. Um, the one that sticks out of my mind, and I'm sure there's probably worse plays this year, but the one that sticks out of my mind is Dylan Moore throwing to no one at home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That one was uh, not great. 
so, and that kind of, I think, uh, summarized the entire Mariner season in one play. Uh, that's, that's interesting, man, because, um, I don't know for me, I guess I would say the biggest blunder, uh, that I can think of, uh, may not be a single play, uh, just kind of lately. And maybe that's why it's weighing so heavily on my mind, but, uh, why the heck hasn't Braden, uh, Braden Bishop been given a chance to play? a lot more than he has. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. He's not blocked by anybody right now. Um, but I do want to point out uh, one other play or one other uh, blunder uh, also involves Dylan Moore. Remember really early in the season when Dylan Moore had three errors in one inning mm-hmm. against the Red Sox? Um, yep. It's going to sound like we're crapping on Dylan Moore, but he's actually been surprisingly good this year. Um, but yeah, that, that one stands out. And yeah, I think ultimately if you ask most people this, um, and when you get past the whole, uh, the joke about, oh, well, their biggest blunder was not firing DePoto, ha ha ha, or whatever. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the throwing the ball to nobody at home plate, that's pretty bad. There's also the walk off wild pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's always bad. I, I've seen the Mariners do that multiple times, though. I know, so I I'm know. Just like, just, eh. you're kind of, yeah, you're dead. You're like dead inside. Like, yeah, well. Mm. Yeah. That's 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 just the Mariners. Yeah, the uh, Dylan Moore throwing to no one thing was like, all right, that's new. That's yeah, new that's one. okay. That's <laughs> that's not something you see every day. Of course, yeah. you could also uh, some more honorable mentions. Uh, how about how many home runs clanged off of uh, Malik Smith's glove in center field early in the year? Oh, uh, the one yeah. in San Diego uh, really stands out. Yeah. Um, I think that was what Eric Swanson's second big league start or third big league start. And it's just, you know, fly ball to right center field. Not a routine play, but not a super difficult one. And clang off the heel of his glove over the fence in right center field. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, like between all those, I guess I would throw, I guess I would say the throwing home to nobody. It's just really tough uh, yeah. to beat. Uh, so I, I would give that one the award. And then I would mention uh, the home run uh, that should have been an out. Uh, off of Malik Smith's glove, and then third, I think, would be the the Dylan Moore Dylan Moore nightmare ninth inning early in the year against Boston. Um, mm. Three errors on three consecutive balls. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I think I'll go throwing home to nobody on that mm. one. Yeah. So next up, we have best trade. Um, so I guess this would be a trade that actually happened during the season, not in the off season. Yeah, um, day until now. Yeah, uh, I think it would ops- absolutely. I mean, yeah, this was after opening day in Japan, right? Uh, yeah, it was uh, the trade for Tom Murphy. Yeah, uh, no brainer. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do we it, have to explain why? I I don't even know if it's debatable um, because the only other trade, like Jay Bruce, went for Jake Shiner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went in Carnacion for one thing. Uh huh. Then you have the Strickland and uh, Elias. Elias trades. Whether you want to count those as one or two, mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, Gilbo's look, you know, like a serviceable big leaguer right now. Fletcher's uh-huh. um, looked really good in the Arizona Fall League. Yep. Uh, but you know, neither really impacted this year. Um, you know, and just kind of thinking about. 
the only other trade I can think of, I mean, there was the Christopher Negron for nothing trade. I mean, uh, so, and then there was leak uh, for Caballero. Yeah. Leak for Caballero. That's, I mean, could be interesting. Uh, and then was, there was one at the very beginning of the year, they traded like David Freitas for like Sal Basai or something like that. Yeah. Somebody I've never heard of and haven't heard anything about since then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Tom Murphy. Um, you acquired a guy who, uh, you know, is, leads your team in war right now. Right. Yeah. You acquired a guy in, in 73 games. You acquired a guy who went from a uh, top prospect to uh, third, third catcher in an organization to what now looks like a well above average starting catcher for most teams. Uh, that's, that's the trade of the year. I just, I don't think it's all that close. Yeah. Yeah, that's not only just the trade of the year for the for the Mariners. It's one of the best trades in, in Major League Baseball this year. I, I think just the amount of value that they got back for, I think they only sent cash to the Giants. Yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, uh, that does remind me, two other trades that did happen, uh, or, or there were a few other trades that have worked out pretty well for the Mariners. Uh, sending Nick Wells to the Washington Nationals for Austin Adams. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, that was a good one. Um, acquiring Matt Whistler for cash. I mean, uh, yeah. Eh, eh, I mean, not bad. Yeah. Um, and the, the Connor Sadzik. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was actually some uh, pretty decent trades, uh, but in terms of the best, it's yeah, it's not close. It's Tom Murphy. Yeah. For cash. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that one's pretty easy. I think this next one is going to be also pretty easy. The minor league pitcher of the year. It's Logan Gilbert. No question. Yeah, um, I mean, and there's been a lot of really good pitchers yeah. that had that had really good seasons. You think about L.J. Newsom and the jump he made this year. Um, really, Ian actually, yeah, Ian McKinney was fantastic this year. Uh, Ricardo Sanchez had a really good year, and then it kind of oh, fell yeah, apart towards right. the end. Uh, uh, Justin Dunn led the Texas League in like strikeouts and yep. innings Just, pitched or whatever. Justice uh, Sheffield domin- dominated yep. the uh, Texas League after he was sent back down. Uh, but it's got to be Logan Gilbert. Uh, basically, Gilbert. I mean, but he didn't. He play only that. threw like twenty-five innings. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but he would he, he would be on the list if he was. Yeah, just want to uh, throw him out there. He had a really good season. So did Brandon okay. Williamson. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's Logan. <laughs> yeah, it's Logan Gilbert. Uh, was able to. He went from uh, Low A West Virginia all the way to Double A Arkansas. Um, Pretty much if he had pitched uh, last year and didn't come down with mono, uh, it was mono, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if he didn't come down with mono and, and actually pitch last year, he probably would have been up this year. Um, so Probably not as a September call-up either. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, it was an amazing season for him. Uh, he looks well advanced and he looks ready to make that next step. Uh, I don't think he'll bust out with the team to start the season, but... Uh, you know, because but because of service time and all that. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, if he forces their hand, obviously. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, but pretty pretty simple. Now the next one, it's a bit of a debate, I would yeah, say. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Before we move on, I do want to point out: um, if you play fantasy baseball, uh huh, and you're kind of wondering who is going to be this year's Chris Paddock. And you want to throw a late round pick on a guy, 
you should probably consider Logan Gilbert um, mm-hmm. because he is exactly the type of pitcher who can jump from double A to the big leagues, um, despite only being in double A for, what was it, six weeks, give or take? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, just uh, I, like you said, he's probably not going to start the year with the big league club. If he made the big league club out of spring training on a scale of one to ten, how shocked would, would you be? Mm-hmm. Like, like a, a three. Yeah, I'd say like maybe a five. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it'd be like, oh wow, but not like, yeah. What are they doing? Uh, so yeah, you know, for sure. Just just keep that in the back of your mind. But anyways, moving on. Yeah. So next up, we got the uh, minor league hitter of the year. Uh, so I think this really comes down to two guys, and it's just who you prefer. Um, for me, I'm gonna go with Julio Rodriguez, even though that like, he missed a uh, as decent chunk of uh, of the season. Uh, to start things out, uh, he came back stronger than ever, and then you know obviously went to to Modesto and just destroyed the California League. Now he's in the Arizona Fall League at just 18 years old, and he's really pushed the question now that perhaps he could be making his MLB debut by September next year. Um, so that's uh, I think that for Julio, you know, obviously the the Ceiling is so high for him, but to uh, to raise his floor like he did uh, this season was pretty spectacular to watch. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go with uh, Jared Kelnick uh, just because it seems like somebody should. Um, it's, it's it's really a, you know, a, co- a co-award winners they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Kelnick was really good too, and he's, you know, what, a 19-year-old who jumped two levels from a ball yep. to double a, um, yep. you know, held his own, uh, dominated the, uh, the Sally league, uh, you know, more than held his own in the, in the uh, cow league. And then did the same thing at, you know, just 20 years old, um, in double a, where he was a, a good, a good player in that league where he is, you know, three or four years younger than the average player. Um, you know, 2020 to go throughout the year, the high on base, he hit nearly 300. Um, the power was there. Yeah. He's just, he's just really good. And so when you're talking about, you know, Julio Rodriguez, when, they, when you have Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez, and there is a legitimate debate between which one of them is the be- had the better offensive season. That's really good for you. <laughs> I mean, that that's great. So, um, I think, you know, I, like I said, I, I would give it to Kelnick uh, just because, uh, you know, I kind of look at it minor league hitter. I kind of look at it as minor league offensive player. Uh, and I think his all around profile offensively is just a little bit better than Julio. But, uh, man, it's close and you can give it to either one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's just great that you have both. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we got. Uh... Let's start with the platinum glove. Uh, so the best defender on uh, this team this year. It's a two-person race for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, maybe three. Maybe three. Uh, for me, it's between uh, Tom Murphy, mm-hmm. Kyle Seeger, yep, and JP Crawford. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe Austin Nola at first base, maybe. But mm-hmm. I think it's probably between those three guys, and yeah, I think I'll go Kyle Seager 
uh, for the mm-hmm. platinum glove. He's just so steady and consistent. Um, always has been, even when he was struggling at the plate. He's just really good. Uh, you know, solid above average third baseman. Uh, Tom Murphy's great. Uh, I, I just I give it to Seager just because he plays a little bit more um, than Murphy does right now. Uh, and I just feel like the impact of a gold glove quality third baseman is a little bit more valuable than a, uh, than what Tom Murphy is behind the dish. Um, but it's really close, but I, I'll, I'll give it to Seager. Um, understanding that if people wanted to give it to Murphy, they could, because he's been really good, uh, behind the dish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to, to Seager and Murphy for me. Um, I think just to play devil's advocate, I'll go with Murphy. Um, I think, you know, considering um, what Murphy has done offensively, you you tend to forget how uh, good he's been behind the plate, sure. and especially and that's been especially huge considering the you know, let's say below average defense of Omar Narvaez, and. And I think that's been uh, that's been a big help for you know a lot of you know there's been a lot of young pitchers that have come through here, uh, and I think Murphy's worked well with with a lot of them, and uh, and has really helped uh, his guys out. And plus, he's he's been um, Fangraphs has him as the ninth best defensive catcher in baseball um, through 73 games. Uh, that's really good. Uh, I'm yeah. really 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 impressed with with Tom Murphy and. You know, he could easily be uh, a starting catcher for this team, but of course, you know the uh, the offense of Omar Narvaez uh, pushes that issue, and uh, you know it's just it's so great to have both of those guys uh, and that they were able to get both of those guys in trade and not really give up anything for them. Uh, really, all it cost was Alex Colomay, and uh, yeah, they they him and Narvaez are just probably the best catching duo in baseball right now and and Murphy with his defense I think is is I think uh giving him a platinum glove is is well warranted for his year sure uh so now we got to talk about uh the worst defender on the team uh the lead glove winner uh or loser however you want to look at it uh I think this one's pretty 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 simple yeah, um, it's Domingo Santana. Yeah, uh, I like the guy. Uh, was quite good with the bat. Unfortunately, the uh, the little run he tried to play through that elbow injury with really hurt his overall numbers uh, offensively. Uh, but defensively, there's just it doesn't matter if it was left field or right field. He was he was terrible. Um, one of, if not the worst, defensive outfielders in the game. Um, it's just kind of weird because we knew defense was going to be an issue coming into the year. Uh, we just didn't know that it was going to be like historically bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what it's been for Domingo Santana. So, uh, yeah, sorry, Domingo, you get it. Um, also, you know, honorable mention, uh, Tim Beckham at shortstop. Yuck. So, Ooh, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's Domingo. Yeah, um, you could also throw Jay Bruce in there uh, if you want. But uh, yeah, woof. Uh, rough year for Domingo out in the field. Um, yeah, so clearly that's my uh, my answer as well. Uh, so let's just move on to play of the year. 
which there's actually been some, you know, for as bad as the Mariners started out defensively, they had some pretty solid defensive plays this year. Um, oh, well, you're thinking strictly defensive plays? Well, I mean, you, you know, we can talk about offense as well, but I, I you know, I wanted to mention that, though, because uh, this team kind of turned it around defensively as, yep. the, as the talent came, you know, came through, and uh, they really figured it out. You know, obviously you mentioned Austin Nola and J.P. Crawford, and um, when I think play, play of the year, I'm thinking J.P. Crawford's one-leg throw to, uh, to first uh, against, the, against the Tigers. Yeah. Um, tough to beat that, man. Uh, yeah. The play was just so incredible. Um, that's definitely got to be up there. Uh, the other one, J.P. Crawford, uh, I can't even remember who he threw out. It was in the Milwaukee series, I believe. Uh, you know, kind of dove up the middle, mm-hmm. fully extended, scooped it, got up, and didn't even really have time to straighten out. He almost like submarined the ball over to first base mm-hmm. um, as he was falling back down. Uh, that was really good um, as well. But I, I think when you're talking about like plays that people will remember from this year, sure. it's, the, yeah. it's the jumping pirouette, one-legged strike that he throws. To get a pretty good a pretty good runner uh, in Jameer Candelario, so I mean, um, yeah, it was it wasn't bad, it wasn't bad. So yeah, uh, another one that I'll throw in there is uh, Kyle Lewis's first home run. Um, yeah, that was that was just a cool I'll, factor. That's been that was probably the most hype I've ever gotten all year. So uh, yeah, that was pretty that was pretty great. Um, and if you want to throw, I don't have this on the on the list, but we should throw it out there because this was just such a cool moment in the season. Uh, if you want to do a moment of the year, uh, I would definitely give that to the beginning of the season and how they handled the Ichiro situation yeah. uh, in Japan. Uh, I thought that was great the way that they sent him off uh, late in the game uh, with Kikuchi crying and everything. I, I just that was such a a uh, beautiful moment and brought up so many memories uh, just of, of me as a kid watching Ichiro growing up. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, when Ichiro played his first game and, and everything. And just, you know, that's who I grew up with and, and watched. And to see him retire in that moment was, yeah. it was sad, but it was also um, very just heartwarming and, and, um, just really, you know, I was just really happy to see Chiro go out in that way. Sure. It's a good reminder of, you know, what sports can be at its best. Um, you know, and then of course I think you have to throw in, uh, in terms of moments for this year, uh, you have to throw in Edgar and Cooperstown, yep. Uh, yep. Edgar weekend. Uh, and now we'll see if, you know, what this Felix Hernandez send off looks like. Um, every day it seems like they're adding a new section to the King's court. Uh, they're really they're really trying to pack this thing out for Felix's last start on Thursday. Uh, Divish speculates it could be the last start of his career. Um, thinking about hanging him up, he's you know dead arm and arm fatigue and things like that, um, which is pretty evident if you've watched him over the last three years. Uh, but yeah, you know you're, you're talking about moments. Ichiro retiring in Japan. Um, Edgar finally getting what he deserves and being inducted into Cooperstown. Uh, you know, and now Felix Hernandez is uh send off, uh, which will happen on Thursday. Uh, it's it's 
pretty emotional year for, you know, Mariner legends, um, which is kind of helped, you know, soften the blow a little bit of a overall disappointing season. Um, you know, kind of the, the campaign to get Vogel back into the all-star game and things like that. Uh, just been, it's, there's been a lot of fun moments, uh, in the game, in the uh, season. Um, not a lot of them actually game related, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. uh, it's, it's been a, a emotional year to be a Mariners fan. Let's go. If you want so. if you want a game related moment, um, I forget when specifically this happened in the game, but I, this was early on when they were doing the 13 and two run. Uh, in Kansas City, I think this was actually the game that made oh, yeah. it 13 and two. The comeback in Kansas City, uh, capped off by by Cornelius's home run, uh, pretty awesome. His four iron stinger, yeah. Um, yeah, that that was that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I I think you know one of the moments that's always gonna uh, be fun for me is uh, seeing uh, Vogelback go third deck. Uh, yeah, first Mariner to do that at at uh, Safeco, I believe um fourth player overall uh that that was awesome um you know one of my you know favorite games of the season was actually a loss it was that it was a 13 inning 12 inning loss to the astros um back in like very early on may i think they were just going Mm -hmm. back and forth back and forth and seattle eventually lost that game but uh it was a really fun game i got hyped for that um i think another cool moment is uh, uh felix hernandez uh, in uh, in San Diego, his yep. one good start this year. Uh, it was just you know it's always nice to see the the legend dust off the classic hit every once in a while, and uh, it's just you know it's nice to feel like it was 2012 again and Felix was the best pitcher on the planet. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's it's been a, a year filled with a lot of moments, not a ton of them on the field, but uh, just been like I said, it's been an emotional year for Mariners fans. Um, so perhaps we're all ready for just a little break from the Mariners. Um, and by little, I mean, until like two days after the, uh, world series when DePoto makes his first trade, uh, <laughs> which is, it's going to happen, but, uh, and it's going to be with Tampa. Yeah, probably. And it'll yeah. probably include a prospect that you listening right now do not want the Mariners to trade. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll see how all that works out, but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a quite the year for the Mariners. Um, so uh yeah some really fun moments uh and uh just wanted to uh to touch on those so uh it's a good thought ty yeah uh so now we're getting into player specific uh awards so let's go with reliever of the year uh actually a lot of choices here yeah because there are a lot of eh. <laughs> yeah Pitchers. a lot of yeah, but also a few guys that that kind of stood out this year i thought yeah, um, it's just tough because there's not a lot of guys who exactly piled on the innings. Um, I would probably go ahead and give it to Austin Adams. Uh, mm-hmm. Just felt like he was the most consistently dominant. Uh, you know, he had a great XFIP, 2.50, a 2.96 FIP. Again, real shame the injuries uh, snuck up, but dude struck out 41% of the batters he faced this year. And then at a 49.2% ground ball rate, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that I believe it was an elbow injury early and now the torn ACL, uh, meniscus, whatever it is, that's going to knock him out until I would imagine until at least June of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just just a bummer, man. But uh, Austin Adams was really good uh, for Seattle this year, so I guess he's probably my reliever of the year. But there are a few other candidates that I'm sure you'll you'll talk about. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Rowanis Elias. Uh, okay, he uh, it wasn't a great year for him, but he did enough to be one of the better left-handed option uh, relievers on the mark on the trade market by the deadline, and the Mariners got a pretty decent package for him and, and Hunter Strickland and, and uh, which should benefit the Mariners in the future. Like you, you mentioned earlier, Gilbo looks uh, solid and, uh, and uh, you know, Aaron Fletcher has been dominating uh, the minor leagues and obviously the Arizona fall league now. So I'm pretty excited about that return and what Elias brought, but uh, Elias overall was really a, a, a solid reliever for them this year. Um, you know, did a bit of closing, uh, was okay in that role. And, you know, really when the bullpen was at its worst this year, Elias was solid. He was the one bright spot in that bullpen and, uh, and really, uh, really dug his heels in and, and, and had a solid season. Uh, another guy that I want to mention is, is Matt Whistler. I thought he was pretty solid this year for the most part. Um, you know, you could also throw guys in like, uh, uh, like Sam Tui, uh, Sam Tui, Valala, Anthony Bass, um, you know, those two guys, uh, even Matt McGill, uh, has been solid since he's come over. So there's quite a few guys, um, uh, that could get this award, but like you said, a lot of meh, um, but I think Austin Adams, uh, is kind of the obvious choice, but, Rowan Elias also had a really solid year, especially when this team was at its worst. Uh, and I think there's some merit to that. Yeah. Um, there are two of out there too. Yeah. Uh, he's been really good since he's returned. Um, you know, if we're going to talk about guys who kind of stabilized the bullpen when it was at its worst, mm-hmm. uh, Corey Guerin. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know he's kind of a popular whipping boy, but uh, he did his job uh, for most of the year. Um, by the way, do you remember when Zach Roscup was on this team? Yep, I remember. Zach I mean, yeah, I just I'm looking at his name right now, and I'm like, oh wow, that's okay. He's actually yeah. decent. So I mean, uh, yeah, he was yeah. he was he was okay, <laughs> but uh, most yeah, most of the time. Uh, yeah, I mean in. Zach Groats has been a guy that's been okay. You know, limited time, of course. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, remember that uh, that time when Corey Guerin threw like nineteen balls in a row or something? Uh, yeah, some crazy number. You were at one of those games. Yeah, the that. game against Boston. Yeah, yeah, like. Four guys in a row, and then they brought in Chase and Bradford to hold on to the bases loaded. Bradford struck out Xander Bogarts, I believe, with the bases loaded <laughs> and two outs to secure a ten to eight win. That was the greatest week and a half ever. Wow, wasn't that amazing? <laughs> that was the <laughs> like the official Simpler times. The official like opening day in Seattle with Tim Beckham going deep off of Chris Sale, and Twice. oh my god. That was Backflips. the that was the craziest week and a half I've seen of Mariners baseball in a long time. <laughs> it was fun, man. It was fun. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah. Uh, so now we go on to our unsung hero. So as I described it, that's kind of the guy that he's not the best player on the team, but he's just your steady um, contributor, uh, I guess. Um, our, our very own uh, Josh at, on Sotomojo.com uh, nominated uh, Marco Gonzalez as the unsung hero. So sure. I'm not sure if that's how you feel or uh, or what you're going with, but I think there's quite a few options here. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's not a bad one either. Um, I think I'm going to go with. So this is tricky because we have unsung hero and then we also have biggest surprise, mm-hmm. and I really don't want it to be the same person. But it might be. I, I think for unsung hero, I'm going to go with Austin Nola. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy's been a really nice find uh, for the Mariners, uh, which is what makes him a good candidate for uh, most surprising. But, uh, you know, the 29 year old making his big league debut, he comes up and right now he's hitting uh, 262, 336, 452. Uh, it's a 110 WRC. He's worth 1.3 F4. He's got the 10 dingers good walk and strikeout rates, uh, great defense at first base, uh, average or better behind the dish, uh, can even manage to play second base without killing you. Uh, you got to start at third base the other day. That was that was something. Um, you know, he's just kind of building the gaps. He's hit three for a lot of the year, um, which, I mean, obviously is not ideal, but he did do that for you and uh, did it pretty well. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the guy's just kind of, you know, he, he's not an MVP candidate. He's kind of worked his way into being a starter, into a starter out of necessity. Um, but the guys logged six innings in the outfield, 15 at third base, uh, 112 at second base, 362 at first base, and 38 at catcher. Um, so I think he's a, he's a good option for the Unsung Hero Award. Uh, a couple other names I did consider, and maybe maybe you're picking one of these guys. Um, Tim Lopes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dylan Moore, I think, uh, both provided some pretty decent value for a guy that we were not expecting much from. So, um, yeah. I would give I, I'm giving it to uh, Austin Nola, but uh, quite a few options for this. So, who do you have? Yeah, uh, shoot. I mean, I think you could even throw Armando Narvaez into this because sure. so many people are so down on his defense that they for they tend to forget how good he's been offensively. Um, and you know, you could even throw Tom Murphy in there as well. Uh, but whew, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Austin Nola as well. I think he's just a guy that, you know, like you said, he's not the pl- best player on the team, but he is a, he's a guy that just contributes and doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Um, yeah, I, I think and I think that kind of pretty much fits exactly what I described this award to be. Um, so, yeah, Austin Austin Nola, he you know he can play pretty much every position. Uh, he hits at an above average rate, slightly above average rate, and um, yeah, I I'm absolutely thrilled with what they were able to find with Nola. Right, I think you know by definition, unsung hero means you can't be flashy. Yeah, uh, and Austin Nola is never going to do anything on a baseball field that makes you go, "Oh my God, how did he? How did he do that?" Uh-huh. Um, but he's just solid, and he's kind of played himself into a position where he might have a future 
uh, a role on the next uh, Mariners playoff contender, which yep. is not something we expected to say back when they signed him in January. I don't even think we covered it uh, on a minor league deal. I don't think we even mentioned it. So yeah, I think they signed him actually back in like November. I think it was like their first. Okay, year. really early. So yeah, yeah. We probably we probably didn't even mention it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. It's it's nice to see the Mariners identify somebody uh, that the rest of baseball has kind of given up on and uh, turn him into an actual player. So did that twice at least yeah. with Murphy and Nola. So yeah, uh, good for them. So surprise player. Uh, so this is surprise good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, surprise okay. surprise good, as in someone that we just did not expect to to do anything. You know, coming out of nowhere and being a solid contributor for this team. I guess you could say that is Austin Nola. That was who I was going to pick, but you could even say that it was Tom Murphy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. Tommy Malone. Maybe yeah, Tommy Malone. Too. Yeah, Tommy Malone, who's been solid on most occasions. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I think for me, and this is probably a cop-out, but I did want to get him in here somehow. Uh, for me, the surprising player is Kyle Lewis. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's it's not that I you know I'd given up on Lewis, you know, entirely based off of his down year, and you know in August or was it late July, early August, you know we kind of knew or we'd learned that you know Kyle Lewis was going to get called up in September. Um, I didn't think he was ready to be quite honest. Uh, and he still might not be, but since coming up, he's, you know, appeared in 12 games and he's got the 755 slugging percentage and a 358 on base percentage, um, striking out a lot, which we knew was going to happen. So I don't know that Kyle Lewis is ready to play every single day, uh, but he came up and has uh, more than held his own. He's He looks like a legitimate big leaguer right now, which is not something I expected on September 1st. And now he's kind of... He's kind of jumped himself up to, uh, you know, back up to that prospect rank where you're like, you know, it's, uh, it's possible. And I, I think, you know, Kyle Lewis, is, we talked about this last week, I think. He's played himself into a spot where he may be uh, playing his way onto the opening day roster for 2020. Uh, and that's been, a, that's been surprising for me. Um, and then one other one, and I hope I'm not stealing your guy here. Uh, Shedlong has been very yep. good. And... Mm-hmm. I thought he would be solid. I did not think he would be this good. And it's only 143 plate appearances, but uh, it's a really good 143. So uh, I, I think those two guys most surprised me because I didn't expect them to come in and be uh, impact players their rookie year uh, or their first snip at the big leagues. And so far they both have. So uh, one of those two guys, I guess. Who do you have? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Austin Nola again uh, okay, for this. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just totally. He's a guy that we, yeah. yeah, we had no clue that this guy was going to come up and be a strong contributor to this team. Uh, you know, I just thought he was just a body to put in Tacoma. Um, yep. You know, he dominated Tacoma, which I mean, you see a lot of veterans do, and that doesn't really amount to much in the MLB, but. Nola came here and just did everything right. Um, there isn't really a, a, a game that I can think of where Austin Nola made a huge mistake. 
you know, I, I can't think of where Asanola really fails in his game. He's just a solid guy. You know, he nothing about him jumps out, but both positively and negatively. He's just, he's, he's not just a guy, but he's just a guy, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, he's, he's, He's the he's the guy on your team that just gets the job done and doesn't really say a whole lot. Um, yeah, I I'm just I'm incredibly impressed that they were able to find him. Um, props to whoever in the scouting department saw this guy in the minor leagues last year, and he's been a solid minor leaguer throughout his career. But for uh, Whoever was able to identify him and see that he was on, uh, he was entering the market, and to uh, to bring this to Jerry Depoto's attention, and perhaps it was even Depoto who who found this. Uh, I don't know, but that uh, is an excellent job to get Nola in here, and even at 29, it's incredible that we're talking about him as a uh, as a potential you know guy in this uh, in this actual rebuild now. Yeah, it really is crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's all fair. And uh, I don't have any issue with Nola there. Um, I totally forgot that uh, we had another award on deck that I could have given to Shed Long. But uh, I'm sure we'll get to that shortly. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think Nola is unsung hero and uh, biggest surprise. I mean, the two awards are similar. And I think he fills both of those roles. So uh, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's a good call. Yeah, for sure. So let's go to rookie of the year. So I guess you kind of already tipped your hat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has to be shed long. Uh, he's just on a tear this month. Uh, and it's been a really strange year for him. Uh, yeah. overall, you know, he, he got called up twice. Uh, didn't play a whole lot because of Tim Beckham and D Gordon and JP Crawford, et cetera. They had this huge log jam and, you know, they couldn't put him in the outfield either because, uh, you know, Domingo and Alex and I think Jay Bruce was still on the team for a little bit while he was up. Uh, so, yeah, you know, he he didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to play. Then he goes to Tacoma, uh, gets injured, misses a whole lot of time, comes back to Tacoma, doesn't only plays like two or three games and then gets called back up to the major leagues for September uh, and has just he looks comfortable. They put him in this uh, leadoff role for the last 11 days, and he is hitting above 400 in terms of average out of the leadoff spot. Uh, he's just been fantastic, and I wrote an article yesterday on the website, sotomojo.com, that's the plug, uh, where his 162-game uh, pace uh, just based off of his numbers uh, this year, and that includes even the numbers dating back to when he went 0 for 12 to start the season, uh, including that he's been pretty much Ozzy Albies uh, this year, uh, pretty much the equivalent to that kind of player when you take in, uh, in his 162 game pace into account. Uh, obviously he's like, uh, he's on a pace for 50 doubles, which would be third in the league. Uh, I assume, I, I don't think he would be able to do that in the course of a full season, but you never know. He, I mean, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, Ozzy Albies is a all-star second baseman. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man, because he, he does have power, but he doesn't have, 
I mean, he obviously has over the fence power, but yeah, it's more of a line drive doubles hitter. So it might be a guy who hits 20 home runs, but you know, stings 45, 50 doubles. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been really good. I, I think, you know, um, the reason it almost has to be shed long is because JP Crawford, not technically a rookie. Mm. Uh, neither was Daniel Vogelback. I don't think, um, there's always there's always a gray area whether or not Bogleback was did still have his rookie status or not. Uh, I think ultimately no, uh, he didn't. Uh, so yeah, I mean pretty much it was shed long. Kyle Lewis, twelve games, just really not enough sample size there. Um, I suppose technically you could give this award to Austin Nola too. Yeah, yeah. I mean technically a rookie, a twenty nine yeah. year old one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's a. Yeah, I think in terms though, just the the guy that really jumps out, and you think that guy is really putting himself into a position to be a part of the future. I think obviously with Austin Nola, but there's a ceiling to Austin Nola, and we kind of yeah. know what Austin Nola is at his best. Shed Long, the really now that we've seen him in in September just dominate, especially out of the leadoff role, you know, somewhere that he appears very comfortable in. You know, sky's the limit right now for him and then that's um and that's really exciting and i think that just that warrants the award uh itself and you know you got to throw kyle lewis in there but he's only played 12 games um obviously you know he's in those 12 games he's been more valuable than malik smith domingo santana d gordon dylan moore etc but still it's 12 games um i just I, i i don't know if that warrants an award but uh you know he's been great and uh but shed is the guy that you know he really jumped out in spring training um and seems to be doing that now here at at the major league level yep i i would agree i think uh i think shed's the the correct answer there um but uh, I do think it's funny we've had Austin Ola be totally eligible and legitimate for the last three awards that we've handed out. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think there's a good chance that you're going to see Shedlong uh, hitting leadoff on opening day of 2020 against the Texas Rangers. I, I think he's probably earned that opportunity, and uh, we'll see how you know the whole off season goes. But uh, I think you know if you had to start penciling in a 2020 lineup right now, Shedlong's probably playing second base and hitting leadoff for you. Mm-hmm. Um, starting next year. So uh, good rookie year. Yep. So before we get into our final three, like big awards, uh, I'm kind of throwing a curveball here. Uh, let's talk about our favorite moment on the site this year during the season. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it seems pretty obvious. It's when we got the root broadcast team to say Cornelius on the air. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the one that I was thinking of too. Yeah. That's tough that was, to beat, man. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story on the on the podcast before, but uh, you know, I'm not you know, I'm minding my own business. I got the game on in the back, and all of a sudden, I hear Angie Mentake say Cornelius Vogelback in the same sentence, and I'm like, that sounds familiar. Wait, what? <laughs> and I see the tweet from Colton. Uh, from Colton, uh, God, I had like a stroke there trying to say Colton's name. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I see that, and I'm just like, what is going on? And I had to – I spammed our DM chat. I think uh, Nathan Alexander was also watching the game. I don't know. Were you watching the game when it happened? 
Yeah, I was. Yeah, and so we kind of all just went in there, and Colton was the only one that was not present. Yeah. <laughs> of, of course. Yeah, so, uh, and we were all freaking out. That was, uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, I'm sad that we never got him to wear Cornelius on Players Weekend. Um, I think Cornelius is better than the babe, but that's right. just my opinion. <laughs> my bias, my very biased opinion. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a great moment on the site. Also, John Hammond uh, talking about the plan <laughs> to us is I think that's going to be the more critical moment this season for the site, uh, especially as the rebuild continues and hopefully the Mariners start to see more success over the next couple of years. That one's going to be the the one that has more impact, I believe. <laughs> and, yes. But what is the plan? Oh, there is Kyle, no plan. Kyle Lewis is the plan. <laughs> no, it's not because it's the Mariners, not the Yankees. So it's impossible for them to have a plan. But what are the what is the Red Sox plan? We all assume that the uh, Red Sox have a plan, it, even though that you know yeah, the Red Sox are geniuses. Of course, yeah, they even though they fired everyone in their farm system, is garbage. Sure, yeah, it's all part of the plan. Yeah. Um, anyways, but whatever. Uh, we had to throw that in there. It's a, it's basically a season recap. It's like, uh, it's like one of those, uh, you know, uh, sitcom filler episodes where they just like they they reflect on everything. Uh, and we had we had to look at uh, John Heyman. Of course, we had to mention that guy and Bob Nightingale. They they were very much critical parts of this season. Uh, for their stupidity. Yep. So thank you guys. All right. So with that out of the way, let's move on to our last negative award, if you want to consider it that. It's definitely the most negative award uh, of, of all of these. Uh, the most disappointing player of the year. So yeah. who really was the biggest disappointment? Uh, for me, there's two options mm-hmm. yep. uh, some could say three um, I think it's between Yusei Kikuchi uh-huh. and Malik Smith mm-hmm. um, that was know, actually not who I was thinking of for the oh, second really? okay. I'll, 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 I'll mention that later yeah. alright so that's interesting mm-hmm. um, I think for me it's, it's a toss up between these two but if I had to pick one I think I'm probably going to pick Malik's uh, just because the guy's been in the big leagues before, he had his breakout season in 2018. There's just a little more expected of him than a guy coming over um, with all the various challenges we've talked about uh, with Yusei in his rookie year. Uh, I'm typically willing to give you know guys who are rookies a longer leash than guys who have been in the big leagues for a couple of seasons. And so Malik Smith coming over and just, I mean, being so inconsistent, basically unplayable in April and then just mediocrely inconsistent um, for the rest of the year. Malik Smith was a pretty big disappointment to me to the point where uh, I'm kind of hoping they can find a way to trade him and recoup some value, um, which is a shame because Malik is a fun player, but uh, and it just doesn't change my mind that he was rather disappointing this season. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. But the guy that I'm going to pick, and this is kind of unfair to this guy, it's not what he did on the field that was disappointing. 
and nothing that was in his control that was disappointing. But Mitch Haniger ultimately, oh, uh, sure, to, sure. to me, was the biggest disappointment because you know we we had such high hopes for him. He finished eleventh in the AL MVP voting last year. He goes into this year uh, has a really solid start to the season. He was already worth a win before he got hurt, but obviously had that gruesome injury uh, that's knocked him out for the whole year. And, uh, and that was just a huge letdown. I was I was really excited to see Haniger try to take that next step and uh, just didn't see it, unfortunately, because of uh, all the things that happened. And you know, even though that he was worth a win, uh, it should be mis- mentioned that he was only hitting 220, 314, uh, 463. Uh, but still, you know, it was overall solid uh, before he got hurt. And, uh, yeah, that was just, that was rough, rough to see. And, uh, and it sucked that we, we didn't get to see him again this year. Most definitely. So, um, and obviously you got to mention Yusei Kikuchi. Um, but there are so many, you know, like Haniger, that's more of a stuff that's just out of his control. Um, for Kikuchi, it's you know obviously coming uh, coming over to America, uh, having to start your first career major league game and Ichiro's final game in Japan in his home country. Uh, coming back, he uh, he has a baby. His dad passes away, unfortunately. Um, you know he's getting used to the ball. He's getting used to the ballparks. He's getting used to major league hitters. Um, and it was a rough go of it for him this year. Um, just, you know, command wasn't there, uh, gave up a ton of home runs. Um, just a really rough year for Kikuchi. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he definitely is a strong, um, nomination for this award, but I just, I, I feel that, um, Haniger, you know, with Haniger, you expected him to hopefully take that next step and maybe become, uh, or maybe, you know, or hopefully solidify himself as the best player on this team, the clear cut best player on this team, and maybe even, you know, get some trade, you know, uh, be able to trade him for a really healthy package during the middle of the season. And that just didn't happen. Um, you didn't really get a whole lot of positives out of Haniger's year overall. And, um, yeah, that there was just so much potential there with Haniger this year, and and that was not fulfilled. Um, so finally, we have our two biggest awards: Cy Young and the MVP. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, we'll knock out Cy Young. I think that one's pretty easy. Uh, yeah, obviously it's Marco Gonzalez. Uh, oh, I was going to say Mike Leake. No, well, <laughs> no, it's Marco. Yeah, it's it's Marco Gonzalez. Uh, not a great year for Marco. Uh, he put up numbers that are more reflective of a number three, number four in a good rotation. Um, but um, for what he was able to do for to to stabilize this pitching staff, which you know it it. it constantly shifted with talent and, and you know uh, veterans and, and of course Mike Leake you know was 
kind of the second best pitcher in that rotation for a while. And uh, that's not a good thing uh, when that happens. So, uh, you know, Marco didn't fill the void that James Paxton left open and we weren't expecting him to. Uh, but he uh, was able to have another solid year. He is another year removed from Tommy John surgery, and and you know he even uh, he's had a good enough year to even bring up questions about whether or not we should you know the Mariners should extend him, which we we covered last week. Um, and I think that's significant that uh, Marco is not he's kind of the Austin Nola of pitchers. He's not super flashy, but he's just dependable. And, yeah. you know, he's he's coming up on 200 innings here this year. That's a huge milestone for him. You know, just yeah. Yeah, just what, three years removed from, from Tommy John. That's incredible. That's uh, 200 well, innings is a pretty big milestone for any pitcher. Yeah, uh, in do, this era, so yeah, and to do it as someone that's that's come off Tommy John surgery, that's that's a really incredible feat, and should not be ignored. And those were, you know, he posted a, a 409 ERA, a 511 xFIP. That's not great, um, but you know, it's it's solid production for 200 innings of work uh, of work. Obviously, those numbers are a bit skewed because he had that one month where he was just getting pounded um i think yeah and so uh, i remember the cubs game where he gave up like seven rounds tonight and two innings or something yeah he had a rough stretch which seems to be kind of the norm for marco is that he just has a he had uh that horror horrible uh, month of august August. last year Yeah. yeah and and so and that happened again for him this year but overall he's been solid uh he is by far the best pitcher on this team. That might be more because of just who's, you know, surround who he's surrounded by. But still, he was a he was just a strong contributor for this team. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Since that time, uh, it was June second against. Or sorry, um, where is it? Uh, he had the rough outing against the Cubs, but it was actually uh, the month of May was pretty rough in general. Uh, he had a stretch where he gave up in back-to-back starts. He went 8.2 innings and gave up 16 earned runs. Uh, since those two starts, he uh, has gone 118 innings uh, with a 3.56 ERA, opponents on base percentage of just 2.99, uh, just slugging four, uh, 4.02. Uh, he's just been <clears throat> rock solid. Um, when you take out those uh, that rough eight innings, uh, from his ledger, you're looking at uh, 188 innings pitched and a total of, so I do some quick on air math, which is always good. Uh, mm-hmm. 89, 89 earned runs, mm-hmm. I believe is what we're looking at. And yep. that gives you a nice, uh, solid ERA. Uh, uh, do it. We're, we're doing, we're doing real math here. <laughs> Good, on yeah. uh, the Soto Mojo podcast today. Yeah, that gives us a, a rock solid ERA there. So, um, I, think I must have done my math wrong uh, because <laughs> it's showing that my calculator is showing an ERA of four point two six. That's not it. Uh, so I, I made a I made an error somewhere because uh, he's been much better since that stretch. <clears throat> um, 
I think he's looking at a three seven eight ERA, if my new math is correct. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just been good. You know, he's been really solid. He's a number four, uh, number three, number four type. Uh, he keeps you in the ball game. And, you know, this year there really aren't any other candidates. So Marco Gonzalez has been really good. Uh, there's really no no denying that. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's the, the correct answer. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's second really good quality year in a row. So I think it's time we start, you know, writing Marco down in pen as this is a guy who's going to get you, uh, you know, three to four F4 a year. And uh, he's going to be, you know, solid number four starter so yeah uh, said it's a it's a good follow-up year to his uh kind of breakout year last year yeah. uh you just you kind of feel like you know what you're going to get with marco gonzalez now so yeah uh, it's a big year for him yeah for sure so we've come to that time now the mvp the best player on this team which I mean that's that's kind of a hard thing to do when it's when you're talking about a team that's only won 66 games. Um, there aren't a huge amount of bright spots when you think about the actual full season. Of course, you know there's Kyle Lewis and, and Shed Long and Austin Nola, etc. But those guys haven't been around for too long. Well, Nola more so because he's he's played 73 games, but uh, you know. Pretty much the guys that have been super exciting haven't been around for so long. So, uh, to me, it comes down to a couple names. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about it, uh, but I'll let I'll let you go first if if you um, sure. if you want. Uh, I got uh, four contenders. I think right now uh-huh. uh, I'm looking at Tom Murphy, uh-huh. Kyle Seeger, mm. Marco Gonzalez. Yep. And Omar Narvaez. Um, so you just kind of, you know, you work through the process of elimination here. Uh, highest war on the team is Marco Gonzalez, uh, 3.6. Uh, so, you know, he's a contender, but also he's only played 33 games. It's just the nature of the position. You only start, you know, once every five days. Uh, so I, I have a real hard time in general handing out MVPs to uh, pitchers unless they are so significantly ahead of the rest of the pack uh, that it's impossible to ignore, which is almost never the case. Um, Omar Narvaez can uh, deserve some real consideration because he's probably been your most consistent hitter all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just rock solid, steady, uh, you know, doesn't strike out, takes his walks, 284, 358, 472 as a catcher. Uh, that's really solid. Uh, you know, the, the defense, though, does come into play, and that does hurt his overall value. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Seeger was really bad for, you know, six weeks, and then he was the best hitter on the planet for eight weeks, and now he's kind of, you know, just he's kind of se- seems to have found his level. Um, so it's tough to kind of blend that all in together. Uh, and then Tom Murphy, uh, the biggest drawback there is that, you know, he's only appeared in 73 games. He doesn't He's not going to get to 300 plate appearances. Um so it just, you know, there's kind of the question, MVP kind of has to be on the field a lot, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he just hasn't. So, you know, every, everybody's kind of got a, a detract, you know, a detracting quality there. Um, I guess if I had to pick somebody, um, I'd probably give it to Kyle Seeger. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, again, you combine the offense with the defense, the war, the number of games Seeger has played. Um yeah. 
I just think all around he's been the best overall player on the team for most of the year. Um, I think Tom Murphy, I think if you could combine Tom Murphy and Omar Nervaez, I think that's the, the winner yeah. um, would be those two together. Uh, but you can't. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give it to Seeger uh, with probably second place going to Murphy, uh, third place to Narvaez, and then fourth place to Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are the four that I only really considered. And then, you know, Vogelback, if he hadn't fallen off a cliff the last two months, he probably would have won. But uh, yeah, for sure. he did. So sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to go with Kyle Seeger as well. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, playing time um, matters to me, especially when considering uh, an MVP of the team. Uh, and even you know, even though he missed a significant portion of the start of the season, Kyle Seeger's played more than half of the uh, half of the Mariners games this year. He's at 100 now. Uh, I assume he'll wrap up the season with 104. Uh, give or take, um, and uh, you know he's basically been on a 162 game pace for a five and a half win season. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean that's basically the level below MVP caliber, and that's a that's incredible that Kyle Seager was able to do that this year, coming off of an injury coming off of his first like big injury of his career and uh, and coming off of the worst season of his career uh, to be able to do that. And, you know, we were talking about how bad the contract looked now uh, come, you know, coming off of the bad season and what to do with him. And are you going to be able to trade him and all that? Now Kyle Seeger has uh, reestablished himself as this team's third baseman until further notice. Yeah. I mean, some of you were calling it a bad contract. Some yeah. of us, as I point to myself, never wavered <laughs> that that was incredible value for the contract. And even if Seager never received another uh, point above zero F war, you still got tremendous value out of that contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, it continues to be the case. Um, yeah, like you said, Seager's the third baseman now until uh, – really somebody takes that job away from him and there's nobody in the system that's going to do it anytime soon. Um, so unless the team's coming to, you know, take away Kyle Seager and we're signing somebody or trading for a new third baseman, Seager's the third baseman next year. He's probably the third baseman to start 2021. Um, there's a good chance he's your starting third baseman on the next Mariners playoff team. Yep. Um, and that that's a huge year for him because, you know, just a year ago, a year ago at this time, like you said, there were people having those conversations about how worthless he was and how he was dragging down the team and people saying you should trade him for whatever you can get. And now he's built up some uh, some equity back, which, again, I, I still don't understand why he was ever thrown under the bus the way he was. But, uh, yeah, he's at the very least, it looks like 2017 is the actual floor uh, and 2018 is the, uh, the outlier here. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I, I think, you know, at the very least this year, you saw enough that you could possibly put 2016 back on the table as obtainable. And if you guys don't remember in 2016, uh, 30 home runs, 99 RBI, uh, 278, 359, 499. So maybe not quite that good. Um, I mean, shoot, I, he almost did that this year. I mean, home, 
home run wise, he can definitely get to yeah. 30. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, the walk rate is what it was back then. The strikeout rate is a little bit higher, but that's to be expected. Uh, it's just, you know, this year looks remarkably similar to his uh, 2017 year. Uh, when you look at the slash lines in the war, uh, the difference is, is in 2017, he played 154 games. This year, he's only played 100. So cumulative stats take a little bit of a hit there. Um, but yeah, the dude's been really good. And uh, like you said, he, he kind of repositioned himself as part of the Mariners' future as opposed to a, a roadblock to get to the Mariners where they want to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think out of all the you know very few remaining Mariners that, that made it to the season from last and he he was the guy that you could have gotten a really big boost from and he and he gave that to you with a with a bounce back year. Um yeah, I I think him bouncing back has a huge impact on on what this team wants to do moving forward. Um because you know, you and I had talked about in a couple of episodes of this podcast, you know, uh, dating back a few months that you know, is Shed Long potentially the third baseman of the future? What are they going to do at third base if Kyle Seager is just bad now? Um, stuff like that. And it, and now I think those questions are pretty much dead, at least for for the off season going into next season. Yeah, I think so too. So I uh, so that wraps everything up. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else we want to talk about, or if you just want to go into our intro or our outro. Uh, I'll let you do that. Even though I've been kind of running the uh, the awards segment of this. Well, it's first time for everything. Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't have much to add. We're at seventy three minutes, so that took a more than an hour uh, to get through. So. I think we'll save everything else we have for uh, the next podcast, which will be, um, you know, two days after the season ends. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, that's kind of when we can start to transition to off-season talk a little bit. So uh, and I'll uh, I'll be in New Mexico. I'll be coming live to you from New Mexico. I'm gonna be uh, gonna be visiting my folks out there for a couple weeks and stuff. Ah, uh, yes. So. Yeah. Visiting your private house in New Mexico from all your my, turquoise money. My, yeah, my turquoise money. You know yeah. who uh, who actually lives in a town uh, near uh, where I'll be going is uh, Kyle Seeger's grandparents. I want to okay. say, well, yeah. I, I would strongly advise not bothering them, but uh, <laughs> you want to go knocking on doors? I guess that's your business. Uh, yeah. Please don't use our website's name. Uh, when you're knocking on doors, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, uh, Ty will be in New Mexico, um, next week. So if you happen to live in New Mexico, go find his turquoise house and, uh, my turquoise know. house with my giant golden Eagle up top. It's very hard to miss. New Mexico is a very flat area. You can pretty much see, uh, everything from about 30, 40 miles away. Yep, and if you come to his door and knock, he will let you in to go swimming in his uh, infinity pool and also will spend 30 minutes listening to your business pitch, of which he may invest a significant amount of rubies uh, to uh, to make that happen for you. So, yep. But uh, anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. 
you know, six games left, guys. Next time we talk to you, the season will be over. Uh, but that doesn't mean our podcast will end, and it also doesn't mean uh, the Mariners' content on SotoMojo.com will end. Uh, quite the contrary. Uh, next week, we will start uh, really pumping out uh, trade ideas and uh, free agency profiles and just about anything having to do with player acquisition. We will start talking about that. Um, so the uh, the end of the season actually kind of ramps up our busiest time of the year, believe it or not. So that'll be exciting to see. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. As we said a few times, visit SotoMojo.com for all your Mariners news, rumors, content, and more. Uh, make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter at SotoMojoFS. You can follow Ty on Twitter at Dane Gonzalez. That's uh, D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. Uh, you can follow uh, me on Twitter at CPAT11. And, uh, you know, thank you guys so much for listening. So I will see you in another life. Peace out. Peace.